and welcome to Small Town Mysteries, a show where three longtime friends from Massachusetts tell crazy and heartbreaking true stories filled with the extra flair of small town mystery. I'm Kate, here with Christine. Hello. And Rachel. Hello. Bringing you our next episode on Colleen Ritzer. But before we get into that, I am going to cover our missing people for the week. I'm covering two missing people. Uh, This week, I'm highlighting Liliana and Daniela Moreno. They've been missing since May 30th, 2016 from Doral, Florida, Um, and there is a reward for information leading to their whereabouts. Uh, That reward is $25,000. Not that money should be your only motivation, but if that does entice you to come forward with information you may have, I encourage you to do so. The FBI's Miami Field Offices South Florida Violent Crime and Fugitive Task Force, which is a mouthful, is seeking the public's assistance in locating Liliana Moreno and her daughter Daniela, who have been missing from Doral, Florida. They were last seen at or near the Home Depot on Okeechobee Road, and they have not been seen or heard from since that day. Both Liliana and Daniela are white Hispanic females. Liliana was born on December 24, 1973. Daniela was born on October 4, 2007. They both have brown hair and brown eyes, and we will be posting a picture of them on our Instagram at Small Town Mysteries Pod the day this episode comes out. So if you are from that area, please look and see if these people look familiar to you. If you have any information regarding the whereabouts of Liliana and Daniela, you should contact the local FBI office or the American Embassy. The specific field office that is handling this case, as I said previously, is Miami. So that would be the one to contact. You can also submit a tip through FBI.gov. Thank you, Kate. You're welcome. And now for the chunk i don't know why i said chunk that's not much better than meat yeah, rachel chunk is worse so anyone's listening to this i don't know if you guys have noticed and i i'm not sure how much christine has left our discussions of this in the podcast but i always say like the meat of the episode and my co-hosts hate it so i'm trying to like kick that habit but it's so deeply ingrained in me and rachel just said chunk and that's so much worse honestly it is i admit that's so much worse. At least I don't say it all the time. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, Rachel will be covering this episode and I'm going to pass the baton over to her. Well, thank you, Kate. So today I'm going to be covering the case of Colleen Ritzer, which is local. I know it's two times in a row now. This is Danvers, Massachusetts. So this was actually a suggestion from my therapist because my therapist listens to our podcast. <laughs> I love that so much. I don't think my therapist listens. (laughs) Okay. So on October 22nd, 2013, Colleen Ritzer, 24-year-old math teacher at Danvers High School, was murdered by a ninth grader named Philip Chisholm. So, of course, we all know how I like to just start with talking about the victim. So talking about Colleen. So I'm going to dive into a little bit about her early life. She was born on May 13, 1989, to Thomas and Peggy Ritzer. She was a Taurus. I know that doesn't matter to a lot of people, but it does to me, so I included it. And I value you for including that. (laughs) Thomas and Peggy had three children, Colleen, Laura, and Daniel. I'm pretty sure Colleen was the oldest. She was born and raised in Lawrence, Massachusetts, making her a lifelong resident, which is kind of crazy to think about. She graduated from Andover High School in 2007. She enrolled at Assumption College in Worcester and graduated in 2011. At the time of her death, she was pursuing her graduate degree at Salem State College. 
And just to kind of put things into perspective, so she graduated in 2011 and she was killed in 2013. So, like, it was her first or second year of teaching. Yeah. These young teachers, it's so horrifying sometimes what they go through. I don't know if this could have been – it could have been avoided, yes. But I think this kid would have hurt somebody no matter their age. Right. And I you just know? want to clarify, I, I certainly don't want to be implying that, like, it's her fault because she didn't know what she was doing. It, no. It, it's the circumstance is that you can't prepare for. Yeah. yeah. I think it just – is probably unfortunately kind of bad luck like she was a person there and that's just who this person decided to take whatever he was feeling out on Mm -hmm. so on october 22nd 2013 colleen ritzer asked her student philip chisholm to stay after school that day colleen was a passionate teacher who wanted to do everything and anything she could for her students Since this crime took place in a school, everything was recorded. So there are like a good amount of pictures in here. Some of them are blurry. Um, I don't think school cameras are high quality. But I am very thankful for these because I feel like it definitely helped in the trial. So Chisholm was seen arriving at school with multiple bags that he put into his locker. In those bags were a box cutter, mask, gloves, and a change of clothes. So this is premeditated. Definitely premeditated. Before 3 p.m., Colleen left her classroom to use the restroom. There's a picture of her right here. She's wearing purple, and it's such a pretty purple. One minute following Colleen walking into the bathroom, Chisholm followed her inside, wearing a hood over his head. And then if you scroll down, you'll see him kind of following behind her. Chisholm exited the bathroom several minutes later, wearing a hood over his head, and headed toward the parking lot. And there's a picture of him here. You can see his hand, and his hand is covered in blood. Oh, my God. In about 10 minutes, Chisholm returned to the bathroom, wearing a different pair of clothes and holding a recycling bin. He left the bathroom a few minutes later, wearing a black ski mask and dragging out the recycling bin. After exiting the building with the bin, he returned about 30 minutes later, again in a different change of clothes. Which, like... Okay, you thought about all this, but all of it was caught on camera, so none of it mattered. So he then visited his locker, went to the bathroom, and then walked outside. Apparently, another student walked in to the bathroom at some point during the attack, but she quickly ran away after seeing someone partially unclothed along with a pile of clothes. So the student just assumed that somebody was getting changed, so she left. Mm Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was going to be a question I was going to ask. What's like, he was gone for 10 minutes before he came back with the recycling bin. Like, did no one go in that bathroom in that 10 minutes? I mean, I'm assuming not, but. It's kind of crazy to me that he put so much effort into not getting caught when it seems so obvious that he would. Mm -hmm. The cameras. It's one of the worst places that you could commit a murder, you know? I agree. I just don't know. And there's so many people going in and out. Like, it's a public restroom. I don't know. I just want to say the biggest trigger warning, it is really rough sexual assault. Fast forward now, if you're gonna. So once in the woods, Chisholm took Colleen's body out of the recycling bin. He raped her body using a tree branch. There's just no words. Like, I can't even... I don't know what to say. I know. It's awful. When I was looking through pictures, there's pictures from the trial, and they were, like, holding up the stick, 
And I was like, oh my God, that's traumatizing. That That's very traumatizing. I hope the court supplied the jury with counseling. So before leaving the scene, he posed her body in a sexually violating manner. He also put some leaves on top of her body. Her shirt was pulled up and her legs were spread open. Chisholm left a chilling note next to Colleen's body, which read, I hate you all. Okay, so, like, all of humanity? Uh, I don't women? Know. That's a little bit of a, it's an unspecified class of people. Yeah, I know. I don't yeah. really understand Definitely that. Definitely doesn't seem very personal. No, it really doesn't. So it's believed that Chisholm planned to murder Colleen. As you said, Kate, premeditated. He came to school with everything he needed. He, he came to school with a murder kit, basically. A student told police that Colleen, or Miss Ritzer, because that's obviously what the student called her, had mentioned Tennessee at one point when they stayed after that day. Because remember how I said she had asked Chisholm to stay after? So he had just moved from Tennessee. And after Colleen mentioned Tennessee, he got visibly upset. And she obviously noticed and she kind of backed off the topic. Do you get into anything that happened in Tennessee or like what that could have possibly been? All I know is that her his parents were going through a nasty divorce. Is that why they moved? Yes, I think so. Okay. Honestly, there was like not a lot of information. So after brutally murdering his teacher, Chisholm bought a movie ticket paying with Colleen's credit card. Shortly after midnight, Chisholm was found walking on the side of the highway in the neighboring town of Topsfield. He was found carrying a backpack which contained a bloody box cutter, a mask, gloves, and a hooded sweatshirt. Chisholm told an officer that the blood found on his blade came from that girl. Which is, you can't even say her name. How dehumanizing. Just that girl. Part of me feels like maybe this was some kind of power struggle, too. Like, addressing somebody who's in power, who's your teacher, who's technically in power, calling them a girl. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. I don't know, though. I'm just speculating. He also had Colleen's credit cards in his possession along with a pair of her underwear. Ew. Initially, he claimed that he found them in her car, but that was not the case. So overall, this was an extremely violent crime. Chisholm sexually assaulted her twice. He raped her in the bathroom and then violated her in the woods. There are conflicting reports surrounding the rape. Some sources say that he raped her before stabbing her 16 times. And then some say that he raped her afterward. So I don't know. A medical examiner concluded that Colleen's cause of death was asphyxiation and stabbing. About Colleen. So Colleen was lucky to discover her true passions early in life, which one of them was teaching. She realized her love for helping others at the young age of three. She was influenced by her favorite preschool teacher, who also became her mentor and lifelong friend. Which, like, oh, I love that. Her interest in teaching only grew stronger as she grew older. During her senior year at Assumption College in 2011, she realized that teaching was her calling. Colleen not only wanted to make learning fun for her students, but wanted to help them realize their own potential. Outside of the classroom, Colleen was always coming up with different creative ways to teach her students. 
she loved to show her excitement about teaching and math in general on her Twitter. Like one time she tweeted, yay math, with an exclamation point. Beautiful. Yay math indeed. (laughs) And then in her bio, she had math teacher often too excited about the topics I'm teaching. I don't think there is such a thing as being too excited about a topic you're teaching. She was not only beloved by her fellow faculty members, but her students as well. She was always positive and happy, according to one of her students. The student said, quote, she made me feel like I wanted to go to math class. I hope when I'm older, I can be half as nice as Miss Ritzer. We've all had those teachers in our lives that, like, made an impact on us in one way or another. And, you know, even though she'd only been teaching for a couple of years, that she had made such an impact in just those two years of teaching, which is incredible. Yeah. You always have those teachers that you just feel good about going to their class, like, Mm-hmm. At least in high school, I had those teachers where mm-hmm. it didn't feel like such a chore or something. It's like it was just fun time. And then you had the teachers where it was just like, okay. And then you had the teachers where it was like, wow, I dread going to this class. And it seemed yeah. like she definitely fell into the first category, which is really nice. I feel like I even through college, I, like I had professors who I felt like going to their class was like a treat. Yeah. I think I thought more of high school because like for me, like a sign of a teacher that makes it like really exciting is a teacher who like it might be a subject that you're not entirely obsessed with or that you like, Mm -hmm. but you still feel good going to your class. Whereas like at least with college, for the most part, I was like learning about stuff that I wanted to learn about. That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I there are definitely professors in college who weren't my favorite, but yeah. it was for a combination of reasons. And, you know, there were classes I dreaded going to. But in general, because I got to pick my classes, it was like generally more tolerable. But in high school, you're kind of left with whatever you're dealt with. And that's also such a formative age, too. Um, I mean, I had no idea what I wanted to do at all in life when I was in high school. And I just had so many teachers that gave me ideas, suggestions, that really pushed me to figure out what I was going to do with my life and also to reassure me that it was okay to graduate high school and not know what you were going to do immediately. And just Colleen Ritzer sounds like the kind of teacher who would be, first of all, super awesome because she would be young. She would be like relatable and like kind of hip, but then also recently have gone through like the college admission process and like really have that insight. And it's such a valuable skill to have like a young teacher like that who really relates to students in a different way. It's just tragic that she's gone. I agree. So while teaching was extremely important to Colleen, so was her family. She absolutely adored her family and spent a lot of time with them. When her younger brother Dan was born, Colleen cried because she wanted a little sister, not a little brother. I know. However, she quickly took pride and excitement in the new role of being a big sister. Colleen loved her younger brother and sister, becoming a role model for them. Colleen always put the needs of others above her own. She always made family events a priority. She would constantly attend her sister's hockey games. She enjoyed planning and participating in holidays and family celebrations. She was always looking for a reason to have a family party or gathering. From her family's love, Colleen drew strength and vice versa. Now on to Philip Chisholm. Philip Chisholm was born on January 21st, 1999. He moved to Danvers, Massachusetts from Tennessee in fall of 2013. 
At the time of his crime, he was only 14 years old and he was only in ninth grade. And like I said earlier, apparently his parents were going through a really stressful divorce in Tennessee. And then all I could really find about him was that he was a standout player on the JV soccer team. I think that he was probably so much of a new student that a lot of people didn't really know much about him. That's reasonable. Okay, so the trial. So Chisholm was tried as an adult at the age of 14, which I'm just curious. I know this is a loaded question. And I know it changes from case to case, but what goes into that? Because I feel like I've heard like, okay, 16, like, yeah, I guess. But like 14 is still pretty young. I'm going to hit you with my favorite lawyer answer. Christine's nodding her head because she knows exactly what I'm about to say. It depends. I know. <laughs> um, no, there's factors they consider at maturity level, intent, the heinousness of the crime, stuff like that. Well, I feel like this was very heinous. Yes, this is one that I would describe as heinous. <laughs> the premeditation was there. Yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. So he pleaded not guilty. He was convicted of murder, rape, and armed robbery. So the initial rape where he raped Colleen in the bathroom, he was charged for and committed of. But the second assault, he was acquitted. I would assume that would be an evidentiary issue. Yeah. Who knows? So he was sentenced to life in prison. He is eligible for parole after serving 40 years. And he'll be 54 at that time. So his lawyer claimed that Chisholm was suffering from severe mental illness and therefore was not criminally responsible. A psychiatrist who testified for the defense stated that he was going through a psychotic break at the time of the murder and was hearing voices. However, multiple witnesses claimed that Chisholm was faking his mental illness. So now I'm just going to talk about Colleen's parents' response to the verdict. Here's a quote from her father, Thomas, quote, This guilty verdict, while the beginning of justice for Colleen, is certainly no cause for celebration, as there can never be true justice for the crime committed. Another quote from him, There remains a tremendous absence in our lives, one that sadly can never be replaced. The family, he added, will still be reminded of the crimes as Chisholm appeals the case and is eligible for parole at some point. And then here's a quote from her mother, Peggy. We will carry on and do our very best to find the good in every day. Which that always warms my heart so much. So Chisholm stayed at the Secure Department of Youth Services facility in Worcester until he turned 18. Then he was moved to where he is now, which is the Supermax prison named Sousa Baranowski Correctional Center in Lancaster. Sadly, Chisholm managed to commit a similar crime while at the DYS facility in Worcester. I know. I know. He he almost killed somebody else. Oh my god. I was not expecting that. In June of 2014, while awaiting trial, he attacked a 29-year-old female staff member. When she stepped into the locker room, Chisholm removed his shoes so that she would not be able to hear him creeping up on her. He forced her up against the wall, where he choked, punched, and stabbed her with a pencil. So I'm glad that he's not in the general public. I'm really glad he's in Supermax. That's horrible. I think this is probably some of the reason why he's in Supermax. I would imagine that also could contribute to uh, like the length of his sentence. Even though it's a separate crime. 
behavior yeah. in prison can be accounted for. Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, he also has so much time to fuck it up even more. True. It's true. He's got 40 years. Yep. Thankfully, another staff member heard the commotion coming from the bathroom and saved her from Chisholm. For this crime, he was charged with attempted murder by strangulation, assault with intent to murder, kidnapping, and two counts of assault and battery with a deadly weapon. Nearly six years later, in the year 2021, Chisholm's appeal was announced to be moving forward. However, the crime against the, co- the woman committed at the DYS facility in Worcester is still open. Again, his, his lawyer is trying to claim severe mental illness. His lawyer has even went as far as finding an expert to look at the MRI of Chisholm's brain. Yeah. I mean, CTE, violent behavior. Not just CTE. Young athlete. He could have a tumor. Oh, no. Not, obviously not just CTE, but that, that's what I think of, especially because he was an athlete. Yeah, there could be so many different explanations. He could also just have really fucked up genes. Yeah. Who knows? That's wild, though, that it was, like, that fast after. It really makes me, like, I know you don't go into this, and I don't really care to look it up at all because I don't care about this individual. But it does make me wonder, like, what exactly was happening right before this or, like, if something set this off and now it's just a chain or if there were other indicators in his previous school that, you know, he was a violent individual. I'm just – it just makes me wonder, you know? I feel like there had to be some kind of precursor. I feel like we've talked about this before and just breaking one day and doing something that awful and then doing something that awful again. Mm-hmm. I feel like he had to have dabbled. Yeah. So following Colleen's murder in 2016, her family sued the town of Danvers, Danvers Public Schools, the school's cleaning company, and DNISCO Design Partnership of Boston, who had designed the school's security system, claiming that it was inadequate. The family claimed that the security system was not properly monitoring like it should have been. They also claimed that the school's cleaning company was told to clean up blood in the bathroom however the police were never called like what the hell yeah that's odd during the trial the school's resource officer at the time testified that the district have recently finished a 71 million dollar renovation which included installing a new security system however the software that was being used was outdated and therefore difficult to monitor so it's like you put all this money and i understand you can't put it all into like a crazy ass security system but with what's going on these days we it's very important these documents concerning this lawsuit against the security system will be sealed until 2042 why kate can you explain that to me i think and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong at small time mysteries pod i think it could have to do with like technical information if the discoverable evidence Uh, or relevant evidence in the case had to do with specific security issues, how security systems function, it could be a safety issue for that to be in a court document. So that could be why the file is sealed. But in this particular case, I don't know. Thank you. I was just, it just seems so random. 20 years, I guess. That's a long time, though. All right. 
right. So now I'm going to talk about the Colleen E. Ritzer Memorial Fund, which is run by Colleen's family. You can find it at www.colleenritzer.org. So here is the foundation's mission, which I literally just copied and pasted from the website. Quote, the Colleen E. Ritzer Memorial Fund fosters a society of compassion with kindness as a motivating influence in all its endeavors. Renowned for her kindness, zeal for life, teaching, and love of family, the organization emulates Colleen's compassion through scholarships, grants, and other programs with kindness and education at their core. Their main goals include honoring Colleen, spreading kindness, and supporting aspiring teachers. So every year, the Step Up for Colleen 5K walk run is held in Colleen's honor in Andover. This past May, it was the 10th one. It's lovely, but at the same time, it's like she's been gone for over 10 years now. Well, it's also, I hear 2013, and I'm like, yeah, that was like five years ago. I know. <laughs> and it wasn't. Nope, it was not. <laughs> they even have a countdown till May when the next walk run will happen again on their website. Like, even the seconds, which I just think is cute. A lot of the money raised goes to Colleen E. Ritzer Memorial Scholarship. The purpose of this scholarship is to reward hardworking Danvers and Andover students who display a passion for teaching, academic excellence, love of family, and those who are planning on pursuing a degree in education. Since 2013, the scholarship has awarded more than $440,000 in college scholarships to almost 90 future teachers and leaders which damn wow that's a lot that is that's impressive yeah that's like almost 5,000 per recipient if you divide it by 90 wow that's amazing and I'm glad that like her family can at least help others pursue their passions of teaching Mm -hmm. do you think I know we we always talk about this and I I don't know if closure is the right word here, but do you feel like this gives some kind of relief that you can help other people? Do you know what I mean? I don't I don't know if it would be relief so much as like purpose. Okay, or purpose like is a better. Mission. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it's not really relief from her death, but like almost inspiration from the way in which she was like taken from them yeah mm-hmm. i don't know like no it, i like that i feel like it's it's like another way to like put your energy into something that's like positive and mm-hmm. to kind of like make your mind not so much focus on like mm-hmm. what the negative was true right like it's it's a good way to process grief in a productive yeah. way i just but yeah not only words. closure would be the right terminology but like i know i get your point So here are some comments I found on some blogs. Take these with a grain of salt. I just thought they were interesting. So, quote, I also live in the area and remember this case very well. What isn't mentioned here is that the murderer showed absolutely no remorse, but instead bragged about becoming the teacher. He had to be removed from the courtroom for his behavioral several times and often refused to come out of his cell to to go to court. He is not someone who will be able to live in society again. 40 years is not a long enough sentence. And knowing this state as I do, I would be willing to bet he's out even before that. 
He is not and never will be a candidate for rehabilitation. He's the poster child for capital punishment. Which is a very loaded... A firm opinion. Yes. Firm opinion, but, but everyone's entitled to their own. But the thing is, if it's true that he showed no remorse and that he even refused to come out of his cell to go to court, I feel like that shows even more about him, you know? That would be included in sentencing considerations. Mm, so maybe that's why his sentence was so long. All right. So impact remembering Colleen. Colleen could almost always be seen wearing a smile on her face. Colleen discovered and embraced happiness very early in her life. She always helped those around her feel loved, comforted, and optimistic. Through her whole life, she selflessly shared herself in order to better those around her. Here's a quote from her cousin Gina. Quote, Colleen missed her grandma Bev so much and would say that we are forever grateful for the time we had with her and will continue to find healing in the many memories. We should listen to this advice. Be grateful for the time we had with Colleen, even though it was far too short, and begin to find healing in the many fond memories that we have of her. Okay. So you know how I texted you guys the other day and I was like, oh, I'm crying while I was doing my research? This is at the point. That happens most that happens most of the times when you write episodes. But yes, I do recall that specific instance. I was like legit bawling. Like it, it was like full. It was it was a lot. So there's a Facebook page titled Colleen E. Ritzer, Her Legacy, which is run by her family. And if you scroll down to see this picture, this is the banner at the top of the page. It's a bunch of pictures of her and it's a quote that says, a teacher affects eternity. You can never tell where their influence stops. I like that. Very pretty. And then I'm just going to cover a couple posts on there because they really got to me and I just had to. Okay. So here is a picture of Colleen in front of a birthday cake. And it says, to honor Colleen on her birthday, May 13th, be the reason someone smiles. Hashtag kindness for Colleen. And then here's the quote of what was written with the picture. Quote, Colleen shared her smile with the world from a very young age. Tomorrow, May 13th, will be her 34th birthday. Although we deeply miss her, she would want us to celebrate her as she loved birthdays. In honor of this special day, we ask that you be the reason someone smiles. Imagine what a beautiful day May 13th will be if everyone shares a smile. Happy birthday, Colleen. That's real tough. One of Colleen's friends started Kindness for Colleen, which encourages everyone to commit an act of kindness no matter how small on October 22nd, which was the day Colleen was murdered. Which, again, I think it's it's so beautiful to try and give something positive back into the world after something so awful and tragic. And then here's another post. Um, it's a picture. It's a mason jar filled with a bunch of notes with things written on them. And this was on Colleen's desk at work. So here's the quote that came along with that picture. Quote, a great way to find the good in every day. Colleen did this in 2013. Each day she wrote on a scrap of paper one good thing from that day and put it in her jar. It could be as simple as no traffic that day, a special night out with friends, or something positive that happened in her classroom. In the darkest of days, if we take a moment to look, we can often find one good thing in the day. It is a great way to challenge yourself to find at least one good thing in every day. Okay. And then I just had to include this one because I thought it was freaking hilarious. 
this is a screenshot of a picture that Colleen posted to Twitter. And it's a pin that says, come to the dork side. We have pie, which is like the symbol for pie. I just loved it. I like that. Yeah. And I feel like it just kind of helps summarize, not summarize, but show her sense of humor and her passion for teaching and math. Mm-hmm. And it's a good little encapsulation of her. Yeah. And then this, it read underneath, quote, Happy Pi Day. A math teacher like Colleen loved Pi Day. She always incorporated something fun into her lesson that day. In honor for her love for Pi Day, registration for the Step Up for Colleen 5K is $25 through midnight tonight. It will increase to $35 tomorrow, which I know the money isn't necessarily a big deal, but I think it's cool that they like put a sale on for mm-hmm. Pi Day because she loved it so much. Yeah, it's, it's clear that the people who are running this knew her very well, loved her very much, and very much want this foundation to reflect her interests. Yeah, if... If you want to cry, uh, go to the Facebook page. So that concludes my case about Colleen Ritzer. A tough one. Yeah, that was really tough. That was tough. I feel like I'm I'm reeling. I need a moment. I think it's just the idea the idea that something like this can happen is just so terrifying. Like in your place mm-hmm. of work, like a student could just stab you and that's it. Like I What? That's terrifying. It's terrifying. Well, thank you for your research and for the emotional devastation. We expect nothing less from you and you delivered. I know I say this every week, but I need a break from this. <laughs> yeah, maybe our next our next shoot the shit episode will be Rachel. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll give her a little a little break from the devastation. Um, thanks for tuning in. We can be found at Small Town Mysteries Pod on Instagram and TikTok. If you have a case idea for us, DM us at Small Town Mysteries Pod. Nothing makes us happier than when people send us case suggestions. So if you really want to make our day, tell us about your hometown. Maybe we'll cover it. Yes, please. I I know I yeah. love hearing all of the suggestions. I, yeah, I love it my so favorite. much. It's delightful to know that we have people who care about us enough to like contribute insane insane i cannot process it we appreciate you all thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next time on small time mysteries pod come spiral with us next week Bye. Bye. bye that was good we harmonized on that one